Warning, this episode contains adult language, mature situations, reinterpretations of old Japanese folk tales, lunar empires, a political coup d'etat, a mother's love, and manga news. Remember to like, share, and subscribe. Listener and viewer discretion is advised. Spark and Manga Review, episode 532. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Spark and Manga Review. I'm your host, Zan, saying konnichiwa, aloha, bonjourno, and what's up? How are you doing today? I hope you're excited for another fun-filled, awesome episode of this awesome podcast that you can find at www.spyarkin.com. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Spotify, YouTube, and various other social media sites. If you're watching on YouTube, remember to click on that subscribe button, click on that bell for notification, and, well, let's get to it because this is a really cool episode and I'm excited to talk about some of the fun things that happened in this episode. So, if you remember from that last episode, I spun that one that only the Wheel of Manga, and it dictated to be that I'd be reviewing a manga that was written by the creative spy family, Tetsuya Endo. And this was published by Shuisha and Viz Media. Now, the cool part is that this was originally released in Jump Square magazine. And it originally ran in 2010 to 2012. This is actually Tetsuya Endo's second publication. This is his second creation. And you can see some elements that are used later on in Spy Family in this. But I digress. Uh, There are currently five volumes out that... Are available. Only one was released right now, but there's five volumes of the entire series. It is a shonen series that is an adventure coming of age sci-fi story that is originally known as Gekabijin or the Moon Sword, but it's known in English simply as the Blade of the Moon Princess. And this is actually kind of cool story, which is kind of disturbing. About well, it's a reinterpretation of the tale of the Bamboo Cutter or the tale of Princess Kaguya. For those of you who are unaware of this story, it's an old monogatari, which is like a fictional prose narrative that was written in the 9th or 10th century, and it's about a a bamboo cutter who finds a stalk of bamboo, and inside of it is Kaguya-hime, the princess of the moon, who's discovered in this plant, finds another bamboo that's filled with gold, makes a huge empire. This was actually adapted into the tale of Princess Kaguya, multiple times. If you watch Studio Ghibli's version, that's a really great adaptation of this. But this is something a little bit different. So as opposed to this being the standard, oh, this is it's about a girl who lands on Earth and she's raised by humans, this is different. Because on the dark side of the moon, there's a highly advanced society known as the Kagomi no Miyaki. And the Kagomi no Miyako, or sorry, Miyako, is the ruling of the Lunar Empire which has been watching over Earth forever. And they have a fully great clan that's been around for several generations. They're currently their 44th empress. And the ruling class is divided into two clans, the Takanochi family and the Umenochi family. Currently, the Takanochi family are running it, and the current empress, Takanochi Fumiya, is the queen of the clan. And then her daughter, who is the main character, is Kaguya. And Kaguya is pretty much the next in line for the throne. But right now what's going on is there's a bunch of political tension because they're coming of age ceremonies coming up. And there's a group who call themselves the Tengu clan that are trying to cause political tension. Ironically, as you can probably guess, the bad guys are the Umenochi clan who want to take over. We all get this. And this should be fine for the princess, someone who is studying to be a leader, right? Wrong. Because... Kaguya does not want to lead. She wants to just be a normal girl, and she is a complete hellcat. She is amazing at fighting, and that's it. She screws around, she sleeps, she's constantly escaping the castle 
which is from her bodyguard, whose name is Shishimaro Sanuki, who's the general of her guard, and she does insane things. And she's a pretty fun character. Think of a very young Yor from Spy Family with Anya's proclivity for chaos. And that's what's going on. And she's just trying to, like, enjoy life right now because things are crazy, but she's trying to be happy. The one thing that she doesn't notice or doesn't realize, though, is that her mother, who is dealing with a lot of stuff right now, Queen Famuya, is severely ill. She is sick. And she's trying to keep her condition hidden. And she's trying to make her daughter not realize she's dying. And she wants to have her live a life and be ready to be queen. Problem is she's getting severely worse. And like I said, the bad guys, the Umenochi family, is starting to make some strides to move forward. And when things start to get worse, the Umenochis move their plot forward. And meanwhile, Kaguya realizes, my mom is dying, I need to step up. And she tries to step up in a really responsible way. And this leads to the coup happening and things going horribly, horribly wrong. And the dynamic of this story primarily is between Fumiya and Kaguya in the first volume. It's dealing with their relationship and how Kaguya feels like, Mom loves the kingdom, but she doesn't love me. But it's, Mom loves Kaguya, but she doesn't want to show it because she has to be a ruler, has to be safe, and has to prepare her for this really sad moment of that, I'm dying, I'm not going to be around forever, I'm not going to see you grow up. And it gets a lot of flashbacks, like when you first see her realize her actions have consequences, she escapes from the palace, and then because of her actions, the uh, bodyguard, Sanuki, gets injured. And so she realizes, I have to step up, I don't want anyone else to get hurt, I'm going to work on fighting, and then when she realizes her mom is sick, she's like, you know what, I'm going to go full into this, we're going to have the ceremony, it's going to be great. And when the ceremony happens, the Uminochi family attacks, and all hope is lost. Only one small problem will save the day, and what is that? Well, someone is not going to miss her idiot daughter's event, and Fumia shows up from her hospital bed and kicks some major ass to save her daughter. The problem is, though, things are wrong. The Uminochi clan has too many people. What are you going to do? Well... Fumia decides, I'm going to send you to the prison planet below where we send all of our prisoners and you go there, be safe, train up, and then come back and take the throne back. Pretty much you're going to live in exile, you're going to become strong, and then you're going to come back, which is a story that's used time and time again. And here's where the sci-fi element comes in. Well, she gives her a sword. And she's like, I, because of the rules, I'm bequeathing this to you. And this sword is important because it is the powerful katana Futusunoshi, which is the rightful tool that is needed to show ownership and leadership of the Lunar Empire. I.e., without the sword, you can't say, I rule now because you need the sword to prove that's your crown, that's your symbol of title. So, Kaguya has this and she is being rocketed off to Earth. And... She's going to be safe. And actually something which I want to say is the ship is shaped like a bamboo stalk. Which I think is actually really cool. It's actually called the bamboo shooter. And kind of a fine little pun with it. And so she is sent off to Earth to mature, become stronger, and take back the kingdom which should be hers. Because it's her ownership. And that's what the story is about. Her growing up. And it's not just that. Like I said, it's 
a story of a mother's love and familial responsibility and political conquest. And one of my favorite moments in this manga is actually there's a simple, easy moment when early on we see Kagi is watching someone uh, being happy that her mom got her a present, a stupid hairpin. And she, as a child, and she brings up to her mom and says, what, you think you could have nice things? The people are suffering. We can't have jewelry. We can't do this. And all this little girl wants is a hairpin. And it's kind of a thing which starts off early. Then at the end, when she sends her to Earth, she says, listen, I don't have a lot to give you. And this isn't a great birthday present, but I just want to give this to you. And I'm proud of you. And I love you. Remember, eat your food. Don't stay up too late. And it's the moment of her being a good mother. And it's so heartbreaking because this is the last time she's going to see her mom. And so she shoots her daughter off to never see her again. And the last thing she does is the bad guys break into the room where she just launched her daughter out of a spaceship. She turns around and she says, whoever wants to sleep in the Imperial tomb, step forward. Meaning none of you are going to get it past me alive. And this is where the story really begins. Because from here it's her landing on Earth and being saved by the father of her bodyguard, Mayatsu Koromoku. Sanuke, who is 99 years old, who's retired, who knows that actually there is an empire that's advanced on the moon because there is advanced technology on the moon, but then on Earth, everything is futile. It's 5 AD or ACE if you want to go with that route, but it's, it's the 5th century. Most of the people there were prison convicts, so they have their own feudal empire. And everybody there is unfortunately... They don't know about it. The people who do know are kind of secretive. You have secret bases that know we're here to protect the Empire and we have to deal with that. And she has to end up getting trained by uh, Matsukomoro and find help from the Imperial Guard bases that are there. Meanwhile, you have the Umenochi family sending assassins to kill her. So it's a who's going to win, what's going to happen, and it's a great revitalization of... The Princess Kaguya story, which is a great part about it. So that's the story itself. Now let's actually get to the nut and bolts of this, which is the actual production quality, stories, and characters. So the release was great. I love that it's got this great style to it, and you have Kaguya with a mischievous grin, and the sword itself, the Futosunoshi, which actually I love the fact that the Futosunoshi is not a standard blade. It looks like a tuning fork where it has two blades connected with a little sliver of air in between it. I love that fact. The production quality is great. It's four chapters, has a typical smell great, and it also references a couple of things in the backwards for the chapter from the author. So that part's great. The story itself, the first part is engaging, it's intriguing, it makes you want to know what is going on. And more importantly than that, it you endear yourself to Kaguya, even though she is a brat. Like, you see where she's coming from, you see her problems, but also you all see what her mother does and why she's frustrated. And also, I love the fact that her weapon of choice, for the most part, is her accepted, denied stamps. She'll throw them at people or stamp people with, your thing is denied. Don't ask for a party. You're going to use the money I'm giving you. You're going to pay for all the people who are sick. I love that fact. I don't like that the main antagonist, the... Uminoche family, when you see them, immediately you know that they are part of the Tengu clan who are trying to usurp the Empire. You see them immediately, you're like, that's a bad guy. It's not even a, oh, maybe it's a hint and we're going to hide someone who's loyal. No, you know they're the bad guy. 
And that is something which I feel is a little bit of a detriment, which he eventually learned on and fixed. But at the beginning, it was just kind of like very, you know, this is the character. Also, I feel a little spoiled because the last time we read a Kumanga, that was the elusive samurai. And that was such a bait and switch because it was like, here's the loyal general who's been loyal for 15 years who will never, ever do anything wrong. And he slaughters the entire family except the main character. And that was such a twist. And this doesn't do that. But I'm not holding this because they're two different types of stories. Because one is about a son trying to get revenge for his family. And this is about a daughter growing up. Both of them are about growing up. But this one, she's more alone. The allies she gets are kind of weird and different. Like she gets one ally who, uh, in the first volume, who is a cadet who is a screw-up. Who's like, oh, I don't care about this. And Oh god, you're the princess. I have to save you. And then he grows into his line. Also you have someone who sells her to be like... We need someone to sacrifice for our village. We're going to say you're the princess. Meanwhile, she actually is the princess and no one realizes it. So there are some great elements to it. It does drag a little bit. And for that reason, there are that's the only real issues I have with this manga is that it drags a little bit. And there's some little tiny nitpicks here and there. But for the most part, it is a great story and it is a lot of fun. And I'll be honest, I was engaged and intrigued the entire time I was reading it. I showed this to Greta and Greta thought it was well done it made her cry and she wanted to read more because she's a huge spy family fan and seeing the prototype of your where you're just a teenager she likes that it's not an assassin it's just a girl who's anya and your combined anyway i'm rambling like a lunatic so let me get to it so for that reason for the great elements to this with this mother-daughter adventure story with the great action the comedy and even with some of its flaws i have to give this our Second highest rating of Borrow from a Friend and Don't Return Unless Offered Pocky. It's a great story. It's a lot of fun. I think that the mileage would vary because if you like this type of story, you're going to love it. Some people may find this frustrating. It is a shonen story and it's an older story, but it's a very playful story that has a lot of political intrigue and has a lot of moving parts to it. It's not the standard, I'm going to run in and fight a guy, get... And then get weaker, then get stronger. The Shonen Power Creep. It's not that. This is a little more nuanced than that. And, well, that's my thoughts about it. So if you've read this, let me know your thoughts. Uh, you can email me personally at Zan, that's X-A-N, at Spirekin.com. Or you can tweet me at Spirekin. Uh, or actually, I am now on Blue Sky at Spirekin.bluesky.org, I believe. I will put it in the show notes. I have to update it. But... So I'm officially on Blue Sky as well. I'm also on YouTube. Just let me know your thoughts. Leave the comments down below. And before I forget, here is the question of the day. So the question of the day is going to be, what is your favorite adaptation of the tale of the bamboo cutter or the tale of Princess Kaguya? Because there have been so many adaptations. And that was one thing I forgot to mention is that this is a great adaptation of the tale of Princess Kaguya. However, one thing that Greta commented on, which is a very valid point is that the use of technology is really weird. And what I mean by really weird is that you have the technologically advanced society on the moon. Fine. They crash land to Earth, and then you have the base and where the grand the father lives, there's tech, there's tech. And you see people with technological items moving around. But then you have people who are just living in squalor using essentially knives and axes and their 5th century tech. It just kind of seems displaced. That was one element which she found maddening. And I was a little... I, I went with it, but it's a, just a little bit of a nitpick on her part. And something which I did have to admit. But overall, great adaptation. But let me know your thoughts. 
What is your favorite adaptation of the Tale of the Bamboo Cutter or the Tale of Princess Kaguya? I still think that this is a fun one, but I still love the Studio Ghibli version just because that watercolor look and it's such a bittersweet story. But I digress. So with that in mind, let's actually get to the manga releases of the week because we've got a bunch of them today. So what is what came out this week? Well, starting off from the top, we've got a Stepmother's March in Volume 1. Asadora Volume 7. Barbaritas Volume 4. Boys Abyss Volume 3. Dragon Goes House Hunting Volume 9. Dungeon Friends Forever Volume 1. Freerin Beyond Journey's End Volume 9. Gap Papa Daddy at Workin' at Home Volume 3. Golden Kamui Volume 30. Hunting in Another World with My Elf Wife Volume 4. Kageki Shoujo Volume 10. Loves in Sight Volume 4. Mission Yozakura Family Volume 7. Monster Girl Doctor the Light Novel Volume 10. Mushoko Tensei Jalbus Reincarnation the Light Novel Volume 24. Record of Ragnarok Volume 8. Reincarnated as a Sword the Manga Volume 11. Spy Family Volume 10. Succumbus and Hitman Volume 5. Twin Star Exorcist Volume 29. Undead Unluck Volume 13. Versailles of the Dead Volume 5. Who Wants to Marry a Billionaire Volume 6. Wicked Trapper Hunter of Heroes Volume 3. And that was what was released yesterday. Now today what was released was Blade of the Immortal Deluxe Edition Volume 10. Which this is a great edition for. I think there's only two left in this series, but I digress. And so those were the releases for this week. And so as usual, Greta and I have looked over them and we have our favorites and least favorites. So let's get to it. So for me, my top five are going to be Blade of the Immortal Volume 10 because it's Blade of the Immortal and I love the series. Dungeon Friends Forever Volume 1. It looks like a fun series that could be a little bit unique. Hunting in Another World with My Elf Wife, Volume 4. Great series that's done something a little bit different. A Stepmother's March in Volume 1. Looks like it's one of those series that could be a great adaptation. And then last and certainly not least, Spy Family 10 because Spy Family is a blast and it's a lot of fun. Now for Greta, she was a little bit different. For Greta, her favorites are going to be... Well, let's get to this, shall we? Her favorites are going to be... Well, you start off with Blade of the Immortal because she actually likes Blade of the Immortal a little bit. She thinks it's well done. Then you have Dungeon Friends Forever, Volume 1. Then Freerin Beyond Journey's End, Volume 9. Then Kageki Shoujo, Volume 10. And then last and certainly not least, A Stepmother's Marchin, Volume 1. Also, she had Spy Family on there as well because she loves Spy Family as well. So those are her six, uh, top, or top six, but... You know what I mean? She loves them all. So, what are your favorites? Let us know. Which ones did you like the most? Which ones did you hate us? Email us at Spirekin.com or tweet us at Spirekin. And with that in mind, beforehand we go any further, I'd like to thank each and every one of you who have, who like us, watch us, listen to us, subscribe us, however you consume the media for it. I appreciate each and every one of you. Every email I get, every comment I get, gives me more motivation to keep doing this podcast. I'm going to keep doing it until I'm an old man. And I thank every one of you. You are all are all awesome. I know I'm stuttering a little bit, just long day. But I digress. You know, it's everything I get just gives me more to do this because I love doing this. I love talking about manga and you guys gave me the chance to do that. 
and I appreciate each and every one of you. So before I forget, remember to like, share, subscribe, uh, click on that bell for notification if you're watching on YouTube, and more importantly than that, let's get to the part that you have all been waiting for, and what are we talking about? We're talking about that one, that only, the Yes, friends, the Wheel of Manga. What is the Wheel of Manga? The Wheel of Manga is a Wheel of Fortune with 10 slots on it. What I've done is I've assigned a manga tile to each of the 10 slots. So we're going to spin the Wheel of Manga. Whatever number it lands on, that's the manga I'm going to review in the next episode of the Spark and Manga Review, episode 533. And we've got some great titles on here. We've got some crazy ones. And let's spin so we're going to review the next episode, shall we? Number three, Tsuboki Cho, Lonely Planet. Oh, this one, the one with the girl who moves to the weird house. So that one should be a lot of fun. We're going to see how it goes. But anyway, hope you enjoyed. And as usual, I am your host, Zan. I'm Gonsville. Catch you guys next time. And keep reading manga. See you.